My name's Maya, and this week I love the OC because my soul is fine. Marissa and me, it just, I don't know, it never would have worked out. Well, Good Day by Loose plays in the background, which is the second song that this show has shared with the 13 Going on 30 soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Dan, and this week I love the OC because while I've never seen Requiem for a Dream, I assume I got the whole experience watching Marissa stumble around TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Curbs, and this week I love the OC because I, like Summer, have spent enough time in a truck full of chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mark, and this week I love the OC because I love authentic Mexican culture. I just want to throw that out there. I don't know if anyone was wavering on it. I think this is the the one I've watched the most. Wow. Repeatedly. Because I know it very well. I think that's probably the same for me. I literally remember where I was when I watched it. Were you in TJ? No. I I mean, it was obviously my mom's room, but I I remember the experience of watching it. I remember, like, not, like, being genuinely concerned and not knowing what was going to happen. And, like, in my little, my mind was, like, looking at at the scene and, and, and... I thought they were going to cut it before they did, and then they didn't, and then they kept it going, and little Mark was like, oh, Curbs, you have the DVD. Uh, lovely little synopsis. Tell us what this episode was about. The liner notes. Yeah. Uh, episode 7, The Escape. What happens in Mexico stays in Mexico, Not but the phrase. secrecy surrounding a summer's end teen trip to Tijuana can't stop Marissa from feeling the way she feels when she sees Luke with Holly. No <laughs> mention of anyone else. I'm so sorry. There is so much more that happens in this episode. Shit goes down, but it is all character-based. Sure. It is these people are thrown in a situation together and come out of it different. And it's also, like, such a wildly different scene than what we've seen. Like, everyone's out of their comfort zone. Rather than, like, Ryan being out of his comfort zone and stirring the pot. So we begin the episode um, where Seth is now trying to convince Ryan to go out of his comfort zone and go to Tijuana because it's a rite of passage, which is just a really interesting scene that shows just how much Seth has grown. Mm -hmm. Since, like, episode one, Seth couldn't be bothered to, like, leave his room um, unless he was going to uh, ride Summer's Breeze around the Bay Area. And now, all of a sudden, he's wanting to go to TJ? I don't know. It just seemed, like, very, like, okay, this is the influence, and all of a sudden... Seth is now not just like passive. Seth is like an active character. He refers to like duping the parents, all this stuff. That's when he says like, what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico, which Ryan says, well, what happens in Mexico? And he says, I don't know, Ryan, because it stays there. <laughs> it's just like, it's very good. It's, it's just really good writing. It's very funny. And I just wrote like immediately, it's a perfect plot. We yeah. need to go to TJ as a rite of passage. Everyone is going to be there. Even his plan was pretty flawless. Like I go to Comic-Con every year. Comic-Con in 2003 was a very different beast, which is so funny that they're like, oh yeah, this Comic-Con comic book convention comic-con and i'm like 
Hey, I go for the anime. <laughs> <laughs> but they are going to like San Diego Comic Con. Like it is yeah. like even though it wasn't as corporate, and you're hundred percent right, that's a really good note. But it definitely <laughs> was still like, you know, the biggest comic convention. It was in an era when regional comic cons were way smaller. Mm-hmm. And so the one that you would go to was this one. And there's totally something that Seth would go Absolutely. to. Oh, hundred percent. It's the I, highlight of his year. <laughs> it is the highlight of his year, as 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 Sandy Cohen then says to uh Ryan and, and Seth is just kind of in that middle stage of like mortified, but he's telling the truth. And then we get the lovely break right before the theme song where Ryan via his language, because again, they're communicating without talking out loud in front of Sandy Cohen, basically says we're leaving today, which signifies we're going to TJ. Tomorrow. Actually, actually, we're Ryan says tomorrow. we're leaving tomorrow. And Seth says, don't, don't you mean manana? And then cuts. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, cuts, it cuts away right before Sandy goes, what? <laughs> we hit the end of the theme song. Uh, Seth enters a room with a sombrero and puts it on Ryan's head. <laughs> he is zero chill about this. <laughs> he comes in with an with a sombrero and an itinerary. Uh, and then my next itinerary. My Two next days. note is Seth already is a great character. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Seth is like now convinced Ryan to go and is trying to convince him to kind of embrace this life. Um, and then this show does kind of what it does best, which is it has kind of parallel conversations that are always connected in some way, shape, or form. He asks him about Marissa, and he's like, ah, man, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. Cut to Marissa saying, it wasn't meant to be. I quoted it exactly. But Go yeah. for it. So Seth is, like, looking all puppy dog. He's like, I care about your soul or whatever. And Ryan's like, my soul is fine. Emphasis on soul. My soul is fine. Marissa and me cut to Marissa on her bed. It just, I don't know, it never would have worked. Ah, uh. That is very good. It's really good. Summer and Marissa are having like their typical type of conversation where now Summer is kind of asking her for some details about, you know, the private act between two people. Um, Sacred. 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 Oh my God. It's even worse. I was like, what are you talking about? I was confused by why it seemed like they'd been hanging out in her room for a while, right? Like they had been there for a while and we entered the scene. And then Summer's like, oh, by the way, I've been, it's been killing me that I haven't been able to talk to you yet about you losing your virginity to Luke. But it it seemed like she could have asked at any point. It wouldn't surprise me if she had like tried to bring it up a couple times, but Marissa just keeps talking about Ryan. She just That's keeps, a really good point. She just keeps saying, like, wait, I want to listen to this song and replays Good Day by Loose. <laughs> over and over again. The first time I watched this, I was kind of confused as to why, like, Summer said, like, I've been waiting for this day. Essentially talking about, like, I've been waiting for you to have sex with Luke. But then I thought about it and I was like, I mean, if Summer's had sex before, which based on her description, at least, it sounds like she has... She wants to just talk about, like, the experience. It has the air, at least, of, I'm waiting for you to be able to have a conversation with me about this. I totally thought about how you always say she's, like, the best friend. Is she being a good friend in this scene? I think so. Until she does the giddy up thing. All of a sudden, Summer's, like, riding like a horse, you know. You know, gotta get back on that horse. Yeah. And it's like, my dad. Cut to my dad. (laughs) Cut to to Jimmy Cooper being like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) I wrote. Uh, Jimmy is moving out and being a little bitch boy, which I spelled with an I at the end. Who is he talking to? Is he just talking to somebody about like a place to stay? Is that the conversation? The landlord or something. Okay. Marissa being the kind of empath that she is just like hovers into the room and 
uh, definitely can tell something is off, right? Here's despair I can leech off of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, you, you know, she... Re- it's like, sad because it's true. <laughs> this this episode right. ha- did actually make me realize Marissa is so Jimmy Cooper's daughter because they are both just irredeemably sad. <laughs> yeah, but she does have a little bit of her mother in her, which, again. But yeah, you know, they have the conversation. Marissa kind of broaches the idea of like, hey, you know, if something's wrong, I can stay. Jimmy's like, nah, you need to leave because Luke's a good guy. Isn't he a good guy, Summer? And <laughs> Summer... <laughs> I've seen her be nothing but respectful to adults so far, and this was her first, like, you're being kind of a bitch boy. Like, <laughs> just like you can't yeah. do this. Like, um, what, What's nuts is she manages, like, I don't know if she's looking at her phone. They didn't have smartphones back then. <laughs> but but in my head, I'm replaying that moment, and she's on, a, she's on an iPhone, looks at him, says whatever, and goes <laughs> right back to it. She flips her sidekick. Yeah, that yeah. is definitely a thing that would happen in this show. So we end that scene, and it ends with Jimmy then knocking immediately on Kirsten's door, as he does um, when he hits rock bottom. Let's play a game called, hey, Jimmy, is that over the line? He knocks on Kirsten's door when he needs a place to stay. Is that over the line? No. Great. Let's see if it goes anywhere from here. Kirsten's like, oh my gosh, you should have told me earlier. I'll set you up with Gloria, the realtor, who I'm assuming is a Latina we never I see. I literally thought about that. I was like... <laughs> Is Mark going to count this as representation? Uh, like I said, a Latina we never see. Um, and, that's, and that's as good as it gets for this episode. Well, until we get to Mexico, and I got thoughts about that. We find out that um, he hasn't told the kids either, which becomes an issue. And then Jimmy does the, man, I never thought I'd be that divorced guy, which I wasn't like really, like I always forget, I guess is a kind of, stereotype if you will it's jimmy kind of like he's starting to leak desperation in a way well and also he reveals that he he hasn't told the kids and his plan is they're going to like caitlin is gone doing something she she and julie are at julie's mom's house yeah uh marissa's gonna be in tijuana they are going to come home and he will have already moved out I thought that was super fucked up because, like, it's, like, the most Jimmy Cooper thing. Where he literally says, he, like, explains that plan. And then he's, like, I can't bear imagining them watching me move out. And I was, like, yeah. Jimmy, you are the most selfish motherfucker yeah, in the so world. Okay, we're going to get to more of Jimmy Cooper's awful plan because there's almost an identical uh, scene we have to get to. But first... We go back to Jimmy Cooper's house, or maybe Luke's house. It's always hard to tell whose bed they're in. Marissa, Especially in this this shot, because all you can see is, like, Luke's biceps. Yeah, all you see is like, So there, Marissa and Luke are making out. She's trying to get back on that horse, ride it for the second time, because yeah. according to Summer, it feels better the second time. And they're they're kind of making out, and she, she says mid-makeout. Uh, I'm not going to go to TJ. <laughs> when the Luke says, like, I can't wait to go to TJ. And she says, well, while Luke is, like, kissing her neck, she goes, TJ's kind of gross. <laughs> and then she was like, we won't leave the hotel room. I'm like, mm. and, then and, then he, goes, and then she goes, uh. <laughs> and then Luke does the, it's always better the second time. Like, when she's reluctant about TJ, not understanding that the thing she's reluctant about is also her father. Then she explains as much that she wants to stay back with her father, which gets us the great Luke line, you're thinking about your dad right now, which is just incredible. But immediately in that moment, you can tell, I don't know if you guys could, but I could tell, douche Luke is back. He is. Yeah. Yeah. When he gets off and he's like, I gotta gotta see the guys anyway. (laughs) 
It's like, okay. He, like, looks, at his, he looks at his watch. No more stitches. He's off his pain medicine and the douche is back. Oh, is that what it was? I don't know. It was the Percocet. <laughs> yeah. Look, Marissa wants to be with her dad. It's a good thought to have, right? Next, we cut to Crabshirt Ryan's. I love this yeah. Brian girl. Ryan doesn't believe that the kiss happened between uh, Seth and, and Summer. There, no one was there. No evidence, right? No witnesses. Uh, it's just amazing. This, this, Because it's exactly what Seth kind of needs, which is another fire under his ass, which is no one believes me about the fact that I kissed this beautiful girl at my grandpa's birthday party. Marissa walks in. And, well, first of all, Luke walks in, and Luke and Ryan, Luke's look that he gives Ryan, again, the pain meds apparently have worn off because he isn't just like, oh, you're such a good guy like he was last episode. He just kind of like looks at him. Ryan looks at him and it's not pleasant, but it's not terrible. So it kind of brings us into this mode of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, they're not best friends. There's the also- only thing I can think of to sort of like explain that, which I picked up on a little bit. They they keep talking about this trip as sort of like the the back to school trip. And same same with the way Summer sort of treats Seth. And the way Luke is treating Ryan, like any sort of buddy buddy thing that happened over the summer immediately shut down when we get back in our clicks for school. That makes sense. Marissa and Ryan share an awkward moment. I wrote, that was kind of hot. Like, oh, I don't that know was why. So hot. Yeah, like, even though they were like, <laughs> like kind of angsting each other for a second, like, I was like, good, great, okay, yeah, bye, good, right, later. Uh, and I was just like, oh, okay. I feel like, although. Maybe they haven't. Maybe Marissa and Holly haven't interacted since Luke got shot at all. But Holly gets real awkward around Luke and Marissa. And you got to be thinking, like, have they not seen her? Like, has she been on vacation? Because Luke's healed and Holly gets real awkward. And Luke becomes immediately a a douche again. And it's just amazing. Uh, they, They do a high five over a donkey show, which is all you need from from teenage boys. So we get into a very quick scene where um, Sandy, who has told us earlier in the episode that he was going to uh, meet with this law firm, and he meets this woman named Rachel. What the fuck happened at the beginning of this scene? They were about to kiss on the lips? Did you see this? Yeah. Did you rewatch it many times like I did? I was super confused. I thought I missed something. It was weird. Maybe the actors fucked up and they just kept it in or something. It was a fun little awkward moment. (laughs) Um, I think like maybe they like wrote in like a romantic past for the two of them. I would read a fanfic about their Oh, 100%. About their past? Oh, 100%. Yeah. We cut to Holly talking with Luke where, you know, whatever happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. (laughs) They are four feet from the table. They're so good. They're in front of the lobsters. Yeah. Like, Seth Cohen is next to them picking a lobster at that exact moment. She is trying to convince Luke, hey, when we're in Mexico, you should cheat on your girlfriend who is around the corner. (laughs) On the other side of these lobsters. And and he does the whole, like, you know, oh, no, like, I'm back with Marissa. And Holly does what I'm sure the entire audience is doing, going, give it a week. (laughs) It didn't even seem like it was in character. It just seemed like she was just saying that. Luke's face, when she says that, Luke's face is like, oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm hot. And I wrote down, She's actually really bad at estimating because it wasn't even that, but continuing. Like, I will mention during the scene, you can hear in the background, the guys at the table are still making donkey noises. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Watch it again. Somebody goes, Yow! right when they're talking and it's in the background and it's 
fantastic. I had to like listen to that part multiple times to confirm. Confirmed donkey noise. So while they're doing donkey noises, Seth uh, Cohen overhears that Marissa is not going to be going right. He then also overhears that Summer now doesn't have a ride because Holly's car is full. And the guys are leaving early because they have to do hazing that night, which... They have to go to the doctor. Man, show. you know what I don't want to watch a fanfic of? <laughs> that? That is not a night I need to be a part of. They were saying it was freshman hazing, and I'm like, do 14-year-old boys really drive to Tijuana to get fucked up? <laughs> no, someone no, drives them They there. drive them there and, like, beat them. Anyway. Um, <laughs> like, why not just do it closer to home? I don't get it. Well, because there's no donkey shows closer to home. <laughs> Because it's TJ, baby. Because it's a rite of Probably passage. Probably easier to drink and actual um, bars in there. So Seth offers a ride, then cut to Seth and Ryan preparing, getting all their stuff ready to go to, quote, Comic-Con. And Sandy is just being the, the dad. He's just dadding it up. He's like, you got the numbers, you got the things, like, call me if you need things. And then, as they leave outside, uh, a conglomeration of Thelma and Louise is waiting in the form of Summer. <laughs> She's sitting out there, just silent with her arms crossed. And, you know, like, oh, Kitch. Summer, I didn't know you were into comic books. <laughs> <laughs> She's into anime. Well, she does comics. Ew. <laughs> she, she shuts him down. Clearly cannot understand it's a plan. And Seth claims she's in it for the anime. Oh, man, it's good. Summer then goes over to Marissa's to try to do one last Hail Mary to get Marissa to come because she has now realized how terrible this car ride is going to be. Right immediately when she leaves, still in earshot, Sandy says, she's hot stuff, son, oh, yeah. which is just dadding it up. He's the dadliest catch. One thing I forgot to mention okay. that I just remembered is at the Crab Shack, Seth claims when he's like explaining to Ryan why Summer's being weird, he says that she's playing me hot and cold, which is exactly what Summer said she was going to do to Ryan oh, in like the yeah. first episode. That's 100% true. She said, true. I'm going to play him hot, hot and cold. <laughs> which I think means that Seth has been studying the summer playbook and knows all of her plays. So we go into the Cooper house and Marissa is, you know, one more time trying to talk to her dad and just being like, I can tell something's wrong. Hey, I should stay home. Summer's like, you need to stay. You need to come, you need to come with me, whatever. And Jimmy Cooper to his daughter says, I've made other plans because I thought you were going to be gone. Quote, I can't take care of both of us. He says, I can't take care of both of us to his daughter I, who's trying to help him. I, wrote, I yeah. literally yelled. I was like, you're a fucking father. Like, wrote, that's your you, job. Yeah. That's and, your and, only job right uh, now because I'm sorry. you can't do the rest of it. I'm sorry. The plans he wasn't willing to give up for his daughter was hanging out with Kirsten. What the fuck are you doing with your life? I hate his face when he yeah. says it to her. I just hate everything about him all the time summer did a worse job of convincing marissa to go than jimmy's poor parenting did so marissa gets into the car oh it's good the look that her and ryan give each other of like just despising each other is just incredible what i I love about this whole thing is that we've had we've had several times where marissa is going to go to a thing with luke Marissa decides not to go to that thing. Then Marissa shows up at that thing with Ryan. (laughs) Normally, every time before that, that has been absolutely her fault. This time, it was not. It's not. (laughs) Also, 
This time, Ryan genuinely believed that she wasn't coming. Yeah. Like, this is a time where Ryan could have done without her, and now she's there. Let's play another game of, is that over the line, Jimmy? Jimmy doesn't want to do hard things, like having his daughters watch him move out. Like, telling his daughters that he's moving out. He's a wimp. He, again, goes over to her place. No, they're at his new place. That blew my mind, because it took me until, like, towards the end of the episode to realize they were painting his new place. Mm -hmm. I thought they were painting his old place. (laughs) I've got to repaint the room I stayed in. She's using it for a nursery for the new pony. I mean, they want... I need my... My stuff is gone. I need my security deposit back from Julie. (laughs) He's painting over himself and all the family photos. (laughs) But is it over the line to just immediately burn off your daughter and then go right to Kirsten? Come on. Fuck yes. you. I'm not sure if it is, but it's getting there. I don't know if it's overline, but it's definitely an asshole move. But it's getting there. So this is the, the they're, they're in the dark painting in this, this one. She actually is flabbergasted about the idea that he hasn't told his daughter yet. I understand her instinct. Her instinct is she needs to know right away. But all it takes is two seconds to think, this is a better face-to-face conversation. Or just like, just wait what, until she comes In home. what world is, like, I understand, like, you don't want to tell her because she'll be devastated, but why is telling her so she'll be devastated in a foreign country with high school boys a better plan that everyone seems immediately on board with? All right, so we cut to just a great car scene. Already, Seth and Summer are in just full old married couple mode, and so old. I am so comfortable <laughs> in this space. It is where I like to live is when they're having these quick conversations where they're constantly biting at each other. She gets on him for, for the way he's driving. It, he gets back on her like, you know, I'll drive how I want to drive. I'm driving 70. Isn't that fast enough? 80's the new 70. Who talks like that? <laughs> like, they just keep hitting each other over and over again. Like, they're, they're going back and forth super fast and then it slows down when she goes, you're just Jewish? And then Seth slowly turns to her and goes, yes. <laughs> it seems as though she's just surprised by this. This is a she fact that she didn't that know. A fact that she didn't know about this, this person Seth whose name Cohen. is Seth Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in the back, conversation is at an all-time high. Because they're not, not only are they not speaking, Ryan offers Marissa a Fiji water, like the fucking crab shirt Ryan busboy he is. I bought Fiji water today. More like crab shirt Ryan fuckboy with his Fiji water. He just hands her a Fiji water like, more drink, ma'am. And she just cold rejects him. If the the window had been open, she would have just thrown it out. It was fucking amazing. She fucking kills him with her eyes. And then we cut back to the front scene where Summer is complaining that she looks like Howard Stern. <laughs> this this fucking scene is so fucking good. And then she starts burning on the music. Oh, and, yeah. and do not insult Death Cab. And, and, and then she does the... It's just like one guitar. And a whole lot of complaining. <laughs> and then he gets Which, on her I mean, for complaining. It's amazing. It's funny. It's the cutest fight he, of all time. And he starts to pull the car over. It's very good. Uh, even if he's just grandstanding, which I'm assuming he is, like he's not actually planning on kicking her out. Yeah, it's a very great move. It's just like the, all right, guys, say goodbye to summer. 
Yeah, it's very- <laughs> he says to the whole car. And then Summer's like, really like gets into the, no, because I'm not going to be yeah. able to. And then the car falls off the road and the axle breaks in half. And then they do a great thing, which a lot of times this show doesn't do, which it cuts to a scene with the same people. Them entering shitty hotel room. To which, again, just sad boy Ryan with the, <laughs> I've stayed in worse. Like, oh my God, you puppy. Like, And Summer's like, you shouldn't brag about that. <laughs> like, do you think they, like, painted the wall, like, like the people who made, who, like, got the set ready, like, painted the walls with, like, some filth or I something? Think, I think they looked yeah. too good. And it's Josh Schwartz looked at him and was like, no. <laughs> like, you must gravel them up. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, someone, anyone have some mud? I love that they stayed in the chicken truck. Or they rode hitchhiked in a chicken truck. And then Marissa's still pulling feathers out of her hair. It's just beautiful. Yeah, love love all of this. The the two quiet people and then also just like the like Seth and Summer still full banter mode. <laughs> Summer is complaining about the situation. Ryan's like, unless you want to try hitchhiking again. And Summer's like, no, thank you. I have spent enough time in a truck full of chickens. And she pulls a <laughs> feather out of her hair. It's perfect. Says, yeah. Great. So we're we end that scene. We move right into uh, this is actually the scene where the the surfboard happens right and he's actually considering the salary and kirsten is kind of bewildered by this because kirsten actually like understands her husband pretty perfectly and in this one instance she goes interesting like she can tell via even his face the way he's talking that he's considering this even though he hasn't said that out loud and then they get into a mini fight where he's saying like, look, I need this relationship to have more balance. I need to be able to contribute. She's like, you know, do, don't you think it has balance? She's, he's like, no, it clearly doesn't. They get they get a little bit heated and he drops the biggest fucking burn on her, which is by comparing her to Julie Cooper, which is amazing. He calls her Julie Cooper and Kirsten's eyes both sink and also get angry at the same time. <laughs> and then he goes, but hey, <laughs> the, the Sandy Cohen dismount where like you burn somebody and then you're just like, but hey, and then just kind of walks away. We then cut to a vending machine for just another fantastic scene. Like Marissa followed yeah. Ryan out to the vending machines to be mad. But she yeah. would rather do that than oh, listen to gonna, Seth and Summer. That was my thought, was like, she would rather be with Were you going to enjoy that ding-dong alone? So, Marissa and Ryan fighting, I'm gonna, I just wrote on, it's way less fun, but way more tense. Like, there is a lot of actual tension between them. Also, just like the whole tableau, because they're yeah. at the vending machines outside the shitty motel with this, like, great lighting. Yeah, yeah. it's nighttime. And, and, and part of me is, like, thinking, like, the reason they're probably at the vending machine is because Ryan is the only one who carries change. Like, this is Ryan's power. Is like, <laughs> when they go into dirty situations, Ryan knows how to navigate Ryan them. has small bills. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> Ryan, that's his power. He's got the Washingtons. Uh. So they, they're at the vending machine, and they start talking, and... All of a sudden, like, you know, like, why are you mad at me? I'm not mad at you. Why would I be mad at you? Are you ever going to stop being mad at me? And then she she yeah. does a really good job of actually calling out part of the issue. Like, he goes, you know, uh, you know, you caught me with a girl or whatever. And she's like, uh, she was a woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know what? She's not wrong. Gabrielle yeah. Gosling is absolutely a woman. Yeah. And it's like all the tension was just pressure building in Marissa's eyeballs when she was staring him down the entire car ride. 100%. And then she just like comes out with that kind of like zinger where she's just like, that was stupid. My favorite thing is they're heated. And then he goes, I mean, you 
could have knocked. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. So they kind of cut at each other for a couple more lines. And then, you know, it's like the, we never have to talk again. Fine, fine. And then fucking amazing ass line, the, do you ever wonder why I came to the pool house to find you? And then Ryan says, every day. Every day. (laughs) And I pause the episode because I'm just like, oh, oh." (laughs) crab shirt. Just like. (laughs) <laughs> it's so they're so good it's such this is when when people ask me about like well what makes it the pinnacle of teen drama shit like this every day when he doesn't break her fucking gaze and he's just like every day they're, they're still staring yeah. at each other in the eyes yes. <sighs> she gets hit by that because it it is one of those things where I think she doesn't think he's been thinking about that yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden he has that answer and then she's off guard Marissa he, had to pause the episode yeah, yeah she, <laughs> she, she like buffer yeah they've known each other for like a month and then you know now's your chance to tell me and she backs down gives us the like cheese sticks I hate ding dongs <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very good, like, dismount of a fantastic scene. Summer's been in the bathroom, apparently, and Seth has made himself at home on the bed and is currently watching the TV. Uh, this is either SpongeBob SquarePants or Jay. <laughs> Again, every, every line out of Seth's mouth in this episode is fucking gold. Like, it's minted. And then she does, like, the whole, like, you gotta move over there. I'm not sleeping on that. And he's like, I'm not gonna move. Chivalry is dead, sugar. <laughs> Be like a gentleman. <laughs> um, yeah. I, what I love about this is they are so mad at each other. And also, like, you would think that Seth would be kind of a pushover considering that he's completely in love with her. But instead, what he is doing is being incredibly mean to her. <laughs> which, like, which, hear, hear me out, is exactly what it needs. Yeah, he is, like, meeting her energy, which is the correct thing to be doing, both in terms of your self-respect <laughs> and also... Like, he's also getting exactly what he wants, which is he pissed her off into sleeping in the same bed as... So she lays down. She says, don't try anything. You make a move, I rip out your jugular. And then he says, oh, hey, pillow talk. (laughs) So good. Everything he says is gold. I think that's what makes them a good couple is that, like, he is not afraid to, like, you know, zing back at her once he, you know, gets over the fact... And, like, she's actually, like, a real person to him now and not just, like, the girl I named my boat after. Sure. Yeah, it's so much more fun yeah. to see him. Like, clap back like a pro. Yeah, yeah. And realize, like, oh, sometimes this person is terrible and I hate her, but yeah. I'm still in love he, with her. He also literally, all of his lines sound like he's a 70-year-old man. <laughs> yeah. So, we are outside. They're returning from their grand voyage to the vending machine. The door opens. And Ryan goes in. She stays out because she gets a phone call from Jimmy Cooper. The gall of that man. I hate him so much. So, she literally says in the conversation that she doesn't want this to be happening over the phone. Yeah. Like, over the phone, Dad? And it's just like, of course she wouldn't want this. You idiot man. Also, like... Potentially, they would have been in Tijuana by now, correct? Yeah. So he thinks that the right time to do this, of all the times he could be calling her on vacation. Probably in a bar. (laughs) Is at night in Tijuana. Day one. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy's telling the truth, which apparently the only way he can be honest with people is when they're many miles away from him. And he's a pathetic asshole and basically says again, I couldn't wa- like let you watch me move out. And she's just like bewildered by this whole thing. Their phone conversation ends and... Ryan has overheard it. Yeah, it's unclear how much Ryan has heard. It's clear that he's like heard some things, but I mean, it's between a doorway. But 
he's been like in the room, like trying to figure out like, like what is her mood going to be when she walks in and she comes in and she's still crying. And there's this really great cut where she's like crying in her hair kind of a little bit, like trying to like get herself together. And Ryan is in a pose, but he stays in the same pose in the frame forever. Like he's <laughs> staring at her. He's stuck. And like with his arms awkwardly out to the side and just kind of stays there. Maybe his positioning is like, because I don't know where I'm supposed to be at. Like, I don't know. Because he does like, do you want me to sleep on the floor? Which, by the way, considering this place is a fucking great thing to offer to somebody. Because again, like there's roaches probably. Absolutely. And he's like, hey, do you want me to sleep on the floor? There's probably scorpions and roaches. What do you think? And she's like, no, it's fine. You can... You can sleep with me. And they share a bed for the first time. And we just get the best camera shot in the oh, world, yeah. which yeah. is the really overhead. Good. I think about this shot so much. It's like not even when I'm watching this episode. It's so well done. And it's one of those things where these are people, at least in the cases of like Seth, Ryan, Marissa, who in some version of a fantasy they had for at least a moment in their life are living it out. And yet it's not the way it was like supposed to be. We start with Seth and Summer who are like- They turn away from me and she's on the covers and he's on, on top. opposite sides of the beds. And then it just pans over to Ryan and Marissa who are like spooning adorably. Because oh, both couples are back to back. Both couples are back to back. Right, right. It pulls out yeah. and then it goes to black. Because, like and this is what makes the scene good is they leave that tra- scene yep. and nobody, like nobody's touching, which is amazing. And then cut back from commercial, we wake up and they, they do the slow pan up First of all, to let you know that Seth and Summer's bed is empty. And then to go over to these two people now, perfectly spooning. Then to Marissa's eyes. She's been awake for God knows how long. (laughs) She doesn't want to move. She doesn't want this to end. Yeah, you don't see. It's it's not the, like, I've made a huge mistake. No, because she does make that one a lot. And, yeah. (laughs) And, like, just, like, the balls that it takes to, like, not put in a shot where he like moves over and like consciously like holds her. Yeah. Literally the subtlety is amazing. Think about it too from the perspective of what's Ryan's intimacy situation been in the entire series so far. Like the most intimate he gets is Sandy Cohen like maybe hugging him once. Clearly not from his parents. Clearly not from his brother. Clearly not from like anyone so far. Clearly not from Gabrielle Gosling who's (laughs) on a plane somewhere still chugging Grey Goose. Where she belongs. And when he wakes up, he does pause for a moment. Like, there's the moment where it's like, okay, this is good, but also now I need to pull away. It's, I feel like he has a moment of like, oh shit, what did I do? Well, because he literally out loud apologizes yeah. because he's such a good I guy. <laughs> but they're both, like, they both seem so peaceful. And then immediately oh. it just breaks my heart how quickly it just turns from like that to like, it's fine. And then she goes and showers. They, yeah, they, they both they both get angsty about it. Mm-hmm. They, they can't just enjoy it. Well, it's, and I think part of, part, part of it too is like reality sets in. Cut to another fantastic summer set scene. Oh, so they are good. sharing the paper together. They're sharing toast. <laughs> it is a very good scene. They're like, like doing the thing where like they don't, they're, they're like playing off of them both being so set in their morning routines together that they don't look or talk to each like at each other, oh, like 100%. they just—they're both just, couple. yeah, they're both just like reading the paper, not looking at each other, like both grabbing the same piece of toast, like, and it goes on for a long time. And, and yeah. then, and, and how it breaks is they put the paper down, they go for the sip of coffee, and as they look up, <laughs> they are they connect eyes and then realize, 
oh no, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of have this moment and then all of a sudden Seth just like goes, I'm going to broach this. Uh, he says, you know, the time you kissed me in the pool at my grandfather's birthday party. Uh, <laughs> Which is great because I feel like Dan almost said that word for word last episode. <laughs> like as a thing Seth might say and then Seth does say. And then her response is, no tongue. So good. Uh, it's so good. Summer. It's like, yeah, I kissed you, but there's no tongue. It's, uh, it's just the commitment to slapping down every I single know. thing he it. says. But she does it just as he's good at like providing her cut downs of him with rebuttals. She's very good at taking everything he says and just like Dikembe Mutombo blocking it and putting a <laughs> finger in his face like no, no, no. And this is, of course, when we find out that she suffers from rage blackouts, which <laughs> is as they're building Summer's character, this is the greatest thing. It is so very good. They go back and they meet up with Marissa and Ryan. Ryan, like, kind of alludes to the fact that something has happened. Summer figures it out. Marissa she, does yeah. her, like, signature, like... No. And then she just goes, like, oh, my God, your parents are getting divorced. Again, Summer's a good friend. Like, when they're talking about what to do next, she's just, like, she goes into full, like, hey, I've been through this before. Let me tell you a couple things. You don't want to be there right now. And just, like, the whole energy of the entire thing changes because all three of the other people are, like, whatever Marissa wants to do. Yeah. They're making sure that she's going to have as good time of a time as possible. Yeah, and, and it's another one of those moments where it's, like, the ensemble, right? It's the four of them. So, we enter Tijuana. <laughs> So TJ's incredible. I'm just telling you right now. Like, the shots we get right away of everything that's happening in this town is just amazing. It's like if Holly's party was a city. With a bunch of Mexicans. Yeah. <laughs> Enter what isn't the quote of the episode, but probably should be. Marissa, everyone's probably at Boom Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Then we get uh, our Chekhov's painkillers situation mm-hmm. yeah. where Summer mentions, hey, uh, I have to go to a pharmacy because my summer, my, my summer, my summer mother, my stepmother has had all the painkillers in Orange County. Then, of course, uh, Seth is like, I'll go with you. I need an antihistamine. <laughs> <laughs> because nothing makes your allergies flare up like TJ. They're all in this kind of weird mode where she, you know, Seth is still like, he, even though he hates her, he has a question as to why they got two separate rooms, which is clearly another thing of like, because I may get to sleep next to you again, even though we clearly have been hating each other all day. And then Marissa does the, you know, Luke's going to be at Boom Boom. I mean, she doesn't call it that again, but that's <laughs> I'm clearly, going to find Luke. You know, I'm going to find Luke, and he does the frown. It's okay. I'm here for you. We then, of course, get a lovely just back and forth again between Rachel and... And Sandy. I said, she's like a feistier version of Kirsten exactly. in a lot of ways. Like, exactly. She's like, if Kirsten was a little bit more back and forth, Kirsten has like given it back to Sandy as good as she's gotten it before. But this is like playful banter in a way that like you can tell kind of gives Sandy life because of the amount of times we've now seen Rachel kind of lets us know like Sandy actually might be taking this. Kirsten might have been right. We cut to another lovely episode of Hey, hey, Jimmy, is that over the line? <laughs> Let me give you a few instances, because there's four of them. Oh, God. Uh, I think this was the scene we, that I just groaned through yeah. the entire Number week. one, Jimmy Cooper asks Kirsten if she's ever had any doubts with Sandy. Is that over the line? Over the line, yeah. Okay, line. great. So, number two, ever think about if we were together? Over you, the line. You you have now like gone so far over the line that you've come back around and you've crossed it again. <laughs> All right, what about three? He grabs her around the waist when she kind of slips off the ladder but doesn't really actually fall. 
Is that over the line? How long did he linger there? Uh, a while, because let me over tell you. Over the line. Yeah. <laughs> number she can handle a ladder. She's Kirsten Cohen. And he goes in for a kiss. Let's rate this kiss on a hotness scale. <laughs> on a scale of uh, one to some spicy Mexican culture, I would I would give it a, uh, a C minus. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's not. No, it's horrible. It's awful. Technique wise, it's physically not an appealing action. Can I tell you, Kelly Rowan's acting in just the kiss, very good. Her mouth makes this weird frown while he's <laughs> kissing her. I, I do have to say, just like as a, as a side note here, like I don't think we'll probably talk about it much because it's it, it truly goes under the radar, but I think she's a really good actress. Like the consistency she brings to Kirsten every week, it's, it's powerful. I like it a lot. But I, I need to hit on this next point. Yeah. Just because my marriage is falling apart doesn't mean I should try to bring yours down which I'm just going to throw this out there, insinuates that he was trying to bring hers down. Like, that's what that statement is. This is bad. This is more malicious. This is not just him being pathetic. This is him being pathetic and kind of evil. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and it really wouldn't be a Jimmy Cooper scene if he didn't make a mistake and then immediately make it worse by talking. <laughs> <laughs> So, um... So, so Jimmy wins the episode? He went for it? All right, nope. We we <laughs> cut to Boom Boom. Yeah. yeah the hottest... I hear everyone's already there. Tijuana's Hottest Club, club is Boom Boom. He has everything. Um, lots of butts at Boom Boom. Boom Boom has lots of underage drinking that we witness immediately by everyone. How old do you have to be to drink in Mexico? No, no, no. Sorry. How old do you have to be to drink in Mexico or how old do you have to be to drink in Tijuana? Legally in Mexico. Okay. Um, I think it's 18. Okay. But there are no rules. But in Tijuana, look, everything that happens in Mexico stays in Mexico, okay? You know, uh, I've heard that. So, Holly hits on Luke at the bar, and good guy Luke is there for about five seconds. Like, he's there. He, he tries, shows up. He tries. He's like, I shouldn't. And then immediately is like, I should. <laughs> He doesn't even bewait himself. He just goes. He's like, she gives him no reason. She's just like, Marissa's not coming. And he's like, all I needed to hear. And then leaves with her. Like, goes and dance. I love this song. What song is this at Boom Boom? And how is it not the same song that plays 24-7? It's a beat that never ends. It just stays on repeat. The DJ just adds different noises to it, but it's the same beat every fucking day. Yeah, this place really does look like hell. Um, it looks like a laser tag arena filled with people. And then immediately drunk children. Luke is grinding on Holly. Great. Enter our uh, Scooby Squad or whatever you want to call them, the mystery machine full of people. <laughs> Who are like wide-eyed and smiling like, we made it. This is the dream, you guys. This is, we this, have is, this is everyone's comfort zone. Immediately drinks are poured down Seth and Ryan's throats by squirt guns. Just fantastic. That did actually happen to um, me once when I walked into a club that uh, <laughs> Look, Was the club called Boom That's where Seth says, I love authentic Mexican culture. Everyone goes for a drink. Meanwhile, Holly and Luke are like actually fucking on the dance floor. They're kind of like... This isn't dance. Yeah. yeah. This isn't even grinding. They're, they're both very drunk. Holly looks like she's on fucking Molly. And the way that she's like kind of just like all over him and like like not really thinking. Like she's a just, squid. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, so you've been on Molly too. No, but really that's I've like. I've been to TJ. But <laughs> yeah. So Ryan and Marissa come to the dance floor. 
and obviously immediately see them. Yeah. Really, really awesome shot. In full Bronte delectable. Yeah, uh, Seth and uh, Summer appear immediately before Luke realizes what is happening in front of him. Before we get into like this back and forth that's about to happen, Ryan and Marissa looked at each other for a moment on the dance floor before they saw Luke. The look they gave each other was, we're going to grind in a moment. Yeah. They are stopped from doing this thing that would have given her n- less moral ground yep. by Luke <laughs> literally <laughs> plunging underneath the moral ground. He's- and the shot is totally amazing. I think what I like about it is like Boom Boom is such a, like there's so much, <laughs> there's so much movement and, and, the, stru- and, and, and lights, lights. Yeah. and lights and it, that doesn't stop at all and the sound doesn't stop. No, and well, yet- the, beat, the beat never stops, but keep going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excuse me, I love this song. <laughs> No, despite the fact that all the things that are happening are still happening, the room goes dead fucking quiet. And you just, like, watch Luke and Marissa, and Marissa's heart fucking melts. And then Holly's just a total asshole. Well, no, we cut to commercial at a perfect point. Do we? Yeah, commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we cut back, and immediately... It's still Marissa, and it's not looking straight at the camera, obviously. She's still looking like fucking daggers at this thing that's happening. Her eyes are gigantic. They're huge. And, you know, he does the sorry, and she just immediately, that you got caught? Like, she's ready with it. Like, she's been been the whole commercial polishing her gun, (laughs) and it's just like, you know what I mean? She's, She's so fucking ready. And Summer does the supporter friend very well, because... Correct me if I'm wrong. The correct thing for a best friend to do is immediately attack Holly, right? Because yes. I don't know anything Holly about relationships. Like, Marissa, everyone knows that he does this all the time. Yeah. Like, you're everyone s- knows. You're such a bitch. Just very good. Summer goes, well, I want Summer on my team yeah. so bad. Like, especially after watching that, I was like, oh my God. Summer would have literally killed Holly in Boom Boom. <laughs> she like, And she, she would have dug a grave. <laughs> yeah. She just like, you're boom. such a bitch. And then she's like, Summer, I am honest. And yeah. then she like attacks her. Well, I want to say this. I want to say this. Just because Luke sleeps with everyone, including both f- freshman girls and college girls, doesn't oh, mean... A renaissance man. I mean, doesn't mean that you, Marissa's friend Holly, need to be one of them. What you're saying is that Holly was in the wrong here. <laughs> Yes! I know enough about female friendship to know that you're wrong, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) That is completely the wrong. I don't necessarily see it as Holly just, like, I don't even know if she's really trying to justify it, but she's just, like, throwing it in Marissa's face. Yeah, I think Holly's just trying to be an asshole. And then uh, Marissa storms out, and oh shit, somebody woke up the tiger. Ryan's in the room. Uh, (laughs) Fucking, like, just chest bumps uh, his way through, like, into him, and and just the, you don't deserve her. Another punch. Just great. This is a, this is like, you know what I like about rich kids? Punch, nothing. This is, you don't deserve her. Rapow. Just yeah. like nails him in the face. And then dopes the fuck out of there. Yeah. That guy is gone. Yeah. Like, starts a fight between other people. He starts and a bar fight at Boom Boom and <laughs> yeah. just books it. Yeah, because Luke, he gets punched so hard and Luke is kind of not expecting it, which really... Come on, Luke. Come on, Luke. I think Luke feels like shit right now yeah. and is actually, like, kind of wanting the punch. Maybe he deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to get in a fight. But, like, Luke has sucker punched enough people that he should probably see it coming. <laughs> yeah. But so then Luke goes flying into another dude who then, I think, throws a punch into a third guy. <laughs> and, and, and then it's just it's anarchy. <laughs> Summer's going to look. 
for Marissa at the hotel. Seth and Ryan are going to look for her in the streets of Tijuana. Which <laughs> like, there's oh, yeah. a, like the, the way that they're like, I'll go to the hotel. We'll take Check the streets. The streets. <laughs> like, okay. Good plan. Just so you know, there's a lot of streets in Tijuana, but Marissa's at the hotel. Summer is trying to be a friend, right? She's like, oh my God, like it's, you know, it's okay, Coop. It's everything going to be okay. She does the, do you want to go home? And Marissa's like, what's there for me? I have no one, which is a line that said with such conviction that it made me feel bad about like, not myself, just about life in general. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh God. She, and she says it to her best friend. <laughs> and I thought about that and I was like, look, it's brutal. that's shitty and it sucks. But like, I, I don't know how many of you have dealt with mental illness, but let me tell you, depression sucks so bad that sometimes you forget that like, hey, actually people do care about me because you're in this space where like nothing matters, everything sucks and I hate my life. You don't think about that. And so clearly she is not thinking. But Summer still is a good friend in that moment, which I give her yeah, credit for. Summer because does not yeah. hold that's that against her That's a hard thing to do. Like doesn't even phase her. Yeah. But as she says, I have no one, literally immediately afterwards, Chekhov's painkillers roll out of the purse <laughs> with, an, with a Kleenex that she is giving to Marissa to like kind of wipe herself up with. And Summer goes into the bathroom to go to the bathroom. And Marissa, Marissa gives damn fuck me eyes to the painkillers. Chekhov's painkillers, Schrodinger's pool house. <laughs> Summer tries to continue the conversation in the bathroom, realizes that Marissa might be gone, goes out. And she calls Seth and Ryan. She calls Seth and Ryan. And then is like, yeah. where do you want to get dinner? Yeah, come back to the hotel because everything's okay. And then, wait, doesn't she say to Marissa, like, from the bath, like, she's like, hey, you want Mexican? <laughs> I love authentic Mexican culture. So, Marissa's gone with the painkillers. Summer has realized. She said this out loud. You know what's interesting about this? I personally might not have checked to see that the painkillers were still in my purse, but Summer has literally watched painkiller abuse from her stepmom, and so I'm guaranteeing you that her thought process immediately went to, oh, shit, I got to make sure my painkillers... They're gone. And they decide rather this time than splitting up, they're going to stick together. Which is smart. We cut to Marissa at a bar who... Iconic scene. Is drinking booze and then does the painkillers. I don't know much about painkillers, but I'm going to let you know. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> that is a very bad combo. I'm pretty sure it says on both booze and painkillers, do not mix with the other one. Like, <laughs> that is a real warning. Oh. Maybe not on Mexican painkillers, though. So, was she trying to kill herself, or was she just trying to get so fucked up that... Yes. I always just went straight to she's trying to kill herself. I sort of go to she has poor judgment, mm -hmm. doesn't really know what the deal is with these things, and is probably thinking about it in terms of booze, which is more equals better. Also, I'm sure the instructions of the pills were in Spanish, which, yeah. as we've discovered, no one knows in South California. It's, yeah. it's like reckless disregard for her. I would say, from my angle at least, it doesn't appear to me that she's trying to kill herself, but she doesn't care if she, doesn't she did. Care. Yeah, yeah. She's not. Like, yeah, for she, sure. She has enough, she throws enough pills in her face that if dying were a side effect, she'd take that right now. We cut to the typical Kirsten Sandy debrief over wine at home, except for this time, it's a little bit different because Kirsten has kissed Jimmy and Kirsten doesn't tell Sandy this um, yeah. in this conversation which for somebody who says you should break the news to your loved one 
She doesn't seem to be following her own game. Sandy takes the job. Kirsten already knows this. She knows her husband very well. Like, this is one thing that's clear is like, they do love each other and they do know each other very well because she just goes like, you took the job. And he goes, it's not too late to turn back. They have a good relationship. And and here's the cool shit. This, this fucking show is so fucking good. They end their conversation. They're drinking wine and their song is in a key. And then the next song starts overlapping it. So the end of their scene ends with dissonance. It's so fucking good, this mm-hmm. show. And the dissonance bleeds into a, a a fucking Leonard Cohen song. Yeah. And it's this haunting-ass gravel voice that only this man can do. And it's beautiful. Meanwhile, as she's kind of phase-shifting into this, like, kind of, like, everything is a little bit delayed for her, we cut to outside panic in the streets of Tijuana as <laughs> these three people are just, like, looking all over the place. People are partying. And, and we cut back into this bar. We see these three Mexican men... I have a lot of opinions about. We'll talk about it later. And 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 she's starting to fade. You can tell she's like fading. And at which point one of these men stands up and appears to be walking over to her. She, in her crazy addled mind, looks at this man, goes, this could be dangerous, stands up and stumbles out into the busy streets of Tijuana. She then stumbles into an abandoned alley. Like, as fucked up as she is, she did manage to collapse into a perfect pool of light in the alley. Oh, 100%. Hey, Which, she does the aesthetic. Hey, if you're going to die in Tijuana, you're, you're going to do it right. Set is everything. <laughs> I just want to say, I remember this scene lasting forever when I was a kid. She laid down, and my literal thought was, they're just going to have her die. And, and we see the slow fade away, and it looks like this is where the episode is going to end, and this is where the cliffhanger will be. But no, the fucking like mystery machine parks outside of the alleyway, <laughs> and the three of them stumble out, and Ryan just starts sprinting at her. Yeah. Uh, Summer sees what's happening, and is like they're all frozen except for Ryan, who's taken action, lifts her straight up and starts walking down the alley. Again, this haunting ass music the entire time. It's beautiful, it's perfect. But Seth and Summer are like holding, holding each, each other. other. Yeah. Summer starts crying into his his body as as it's unclear. And it and it is still unclear as to whether or not she's alive. And he holds her and the camera pans up and he's still holding her. And then MLB postseason starring <laughs> Joe Buck. Fuck you. Joe. <laughs> like, I fucking hate you so fucking much, you fucking asshole. Okay, so a couple thoughts about this. It's like really actually a haunting scene. The yeah. ending is fucking scary. Yeah. It still would be fucking prestige television if it was on now because of moments like that. Yeah. Yeah. It is genuinely impressive that Marissa managed to hang on to her purse this entire time. <laughs> I know that the final shot where he's lifting her up and the lighting is dramatic and Seth and Summer are like watching this happen. It's like so stupidly faux like renaissance painting like sure. bullshit. Yeah. But I am so into it completely every time. Not even like ironically. I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually scary. I think it takes you out of the usual brooding bullshit of the OC, which obviously we love. But It, it fits the drama of the moment. A, a show that was already operating drama on 10 they push it further than you thought it could ever go oh yeah and then fucking Joe Buck comes for seven weeks (laughs) seven weeks of Joe Buck (laughs) and it's guys fucking episode seven 
It's episode seven. That would never I... be allowed. Like the 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 like the studio would give him free reign nowadays. But the one thing they would make sure would happen is this is episode ten. These first episodes, that is one season. Yes, and this is yeah. the end of that the, season. The, the ten episodes, school thirteen, is whatever you want to do. But like, it's yeah. that's the season. They would also wait like two to three years before releasing the second <laughs> yeah. season. Now. Think of all um, the think pieces that would be written about Marissa's fate. Let's, yeah. <laughs> At least several. <laughs> yeah. Did you want to talk about the three Mexican guys? I'm conflicted because I worry that a typical viewer views that as those guys were definitely going to be taking advantage of her. To me, it is genuinely possible. And you know what? She does the right thing by leaving because you don't know what their intentions are. But to me, it seems as though there's a direct line to many viewers, which is a confirmation of this archetype of person. And I don't think that's even necessarily what's intended. Because to me, I read the scene as, this guy's gonna go check on her. But again, I worry that there's like a viewpoint that happens where it's like, of course these men were going to take advantage of her. Yeah. Which I don't like. It is just as possible that like, skeevy white boy college students would take advantage of a drunk high school chick. It makes the conversation not because they're men, which is the real thing, which is, yes, men are scary, and instead goes into Mexican men are scary. I don't even blame the show. To me, it's more just an angle of like, I know that somebody's reading into this in a way. Like, I know. Like, you can tell. I mean, you can hold the show accountable for that. They know what they're doing sure, when yeah. they do that. But but again, There's like, no way that they don't. Again, mm-hmm. to me, it's like, it would be just as likely for one of those frat white boys outside to pull some shit like this. And I'm sure they are actively as we speak in a different oh, bar. It's Absolutely. also like, these are these... Mexican dudes are maybe one of, mm, I don't know, seven Mexican dudes? None of them have spoken that yeah. we've seen yeah. in this entire episode that takes place in Mexico. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You're not wrong. So that's The only, the only yeah. Spanish we hear is out of the mouth of one Mr. Seth Cohen. Manana. Sombrero. No, I, think that's, I think that's an import, important thing to bring up because there are a lot of problematic parts of this episode <laughs> yeah. that yeah. we skimmed right over. Yeah, the only, like again, I don't mind like the South California lampooning of Mexican culture because it happens all the time. It's whatever. But the thing that I mind is like reinforcement of stereotypes. And I don't think they necessarily did it on purpose, but I, you're right, at Curbs. I think maybe you're right. Like, you know, it doesn't mean that they can't be held at least a little bit accountable for setting up the narrative. So do we want to go over the belt right now? Yeah. I have thoughts, but to me, this week has so many people who throw themselves around the ring that it becomes a little bit hard to actually parse I, it out. I think you could take any of the core four yeah. and make a make an argument for it. Marissa has a lot of moments in this where this episode doesn't happen without her. Yeah. She is instrumental. She is one part, one wheel of this vehicle that's driving down to TJ, and it wouldn't go without her. By that same logic, Seth Cohen is another wheel on this car that's going to TJ. It doesn't happen without him. By that same logic, Ryan is another wheel. You know what I mean? Like, they all <laughs> throw we? them. No. Can't give it to all four. We can't give it to the car? We, we no. can't. We can't, and there's lots of reasons for Can it. Can we we'll, give it to Death Cab? We'll get... <laughs> I want to give a... He's not going to win the episode, but I want to give a shout-out to Sandy Cohen in this episode. <laughs> he's very good. Yeah. He has lots of dad moments, and then he also has his own storyline. Luke got a fresh zero from me. Wow. He did nothing in this episode. Uh, if anything, the thing that he got. He, he, uh, wasn't, he wasn't even active in his own cheating on her. 
He got a point for getting punched. And yeah, other people, but again, the, the four main characters. Uh, Curbs, I feel like you broke this down for yourself. Who did you walk away with? What I thought was like, this is a Marissa episode, but it's hard for me to say that she's a winner when she ends up in the alley. I agree with being very close on all four and they definitely support each other in different ways. I think Seth is awesome and gets the wheels turning, but I don't think he deserves the belt. I do think I want to give it to Marissa? I think Marissa would be a good call. One, because I've watched this episode so many times over the last 15 years now and have been completely haunted by this episode mm-hmm. and her in the entire thing. She is getting shit on the whole episode, but I think that like she makes her best attempt to control it at the end. She makes a move and her move is getting completely fucked up and that's like not the correct move, but it's still like a an active thing she does and it's also just iconic for like episode fucking seven mm-hmm. i came in this thinking that i'd have to try and convince people to, to vote for seth but no i think you're right i think marissa is we reward decisiveness and mm-hmm. and action mm-hmm. but we also need to understand who the emotional core is you're right the, the action but the action is run through her too that's the emotional core i like it so yeah i think i think she definitely wins the belt i think the instinct to give it to the four of them is a good one because this is the first episode where, like, the four of them are really pushing it together and in really great ways. Mercy wins the episode. Quoting Even the episode? though, yeah, what do we what do we want for this? There's so many options. There's tons uh, of funny options, and then there's tons of real fucking heartbreaking options. Uh, every day. See, that's a good one. And here's another one. You don't deserve her. Followed by a punch is also very good. It's not the quote of the episode. Any, it's, anything, it's up there. Yeah, anything, anything, anything Ryan the... says before decking somebody, <laughs> especially Luke. Oh, I think I think you don't deserve her is maybe the moment slash action of the episode. How about how about this one? If we're going serious, I vote for every day. How what about, about cheese sticks? I hate ding dongs. How about the... how about this for the quote of the episode? I can't take, take care, care of both of us. <laughs> I don't want to give Jimmy I don't want to give Jimmy anything. Fucking Lord. <laughs> give him nothing. If there is a quote that spurred an entire set of action, it was that, though. No, but I really, you're, you're 100% right. I think it, it maybe needs to be paired up with, like, the the, the quote before, which yeah. is the, do, did you ever wonder why, you know, I came yeah. to the pool house to find you every day? Which is, because they're finally talking. <laughs> They're finally... Did you ever wonder why I came to the pool house to find you? It's an entire like pronouncement of feelings disguised as a question. It's yes. and then he just answers it uh, so sincerely. It's the no. it's the fastball over the plate. That's of course that's the quote of the episode. I love authentic Mexican culture. Very good quote. <laughs> <laughs> like all these, there's, there's so many good quotes in this, and a lot of them are between Seth and Summer. But the quote of the episode. I feel like we trend towards more serious ones though. As we throw out funny ones, but we don't pick them. Usually. Yeah, like they're all worthy runners up. This is a funny program. show, but at the end of the day, it's about the angst. It's it's about the angst. <laughs> it's about it's about those good teen feelings. What about this for quote of the episode? You're thinking about your dad right now? <laughs> Do we need some facts? Oh. Curves. I'm- this episode aired on September 16th, 2003. Great. And episode eight aired on October 29th. Oh. Holy shit. Six weeks. Six weeks of Joe Buck. <laughs> That's the ending that you had to sit on for six weeks. Yeah, they had a mid-season break. So, (sighs) 
the California uh, recall election was in full swing at this point. <laughs> God. Ariana Huffington uh, decided to drop out because she was worried that she'd split the vote and make it easier for the Republicans to win. She was running for governor? I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, Apparently, I remember that. This was when they announced the new design of the $20 bill. A lot, yeah. Andrew Jackson's yeah. face got a lot bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The GOP officially endorsed Arnold Schwarzenegger for the election. Love it. Um, the Pope appointed 31 new cardinals earlier than expected. <laughs> this was the point when Pope John Paul was not in very good health. They're like, quick, 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 everyone in, everyone in. <laughs> Get them all in. We can. Multiple Democrats announced that they were going to run for president, including mm. John Edwards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that has not aged well. Uh, retired General Wesley Clark, which was a really big deal at the time. There were a lot of articles on NPR about him. I don't know why. Carol Mosley Brown, who was the first African-American woman to serve in the Senate. And Howard Dean was still in the lead in New Hampshire, which was the primary to watch at the time. Some notable deaths in September were Donald O'Connor, who was in the movie Sing in the Rain, which is why I put that in there, because it's my favorite movie. Um, Elia Kazan, Robert Kardashian, father Uh, to David Wait, I'm sorry. (laughs) Rob Kardashian dying this week (laughs) is significant to the FC in many ways. Yeah. And apparently a gorilla escaped from the zoo. <laughs> yeah, this is the most important piece of news. Tell us more. What uh, is this gorilla? Is Where the, did this happen? Okay, the gorilla, this, this gorilla, a 300-pound gorilla known as Little Joe, yep. escaped for the second time in two months from the Boston <laughs> Wait, the second time in two months? How do you fuck up that bad? We're going to need a bigger cage. <laughs> like, what is happening in the Boston Zoo? It took 50 police and zoo officials two hours to subdue the animal. Oh, man. But he apparently survived. Um, Green Day had completed an album, and then their master tracks were stolen from the studio in the summer of 2003. And so rather than re-recording, that was when they wrote American Idiot. <laughs> Holy crap. Whoa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. You're telling me that there's an album between old Green Day and American Idiot Green Day, which is different Green Day. Yeah. Like, they, they yeah. kind of reinvented themselves for that yeah. album in, in good and, ways and for a lot of one people. one person has their hands on it. <laughs> <laughs> and that person is Martin Strell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Curbs. Yeah. Uh, that gorilla, man. That's <laughs> Lil Joe. Lil Joe. Lil Joe. <sighs> May your legacy live on, Lil Joe. Oh, man. Oh, this is good. My name is Mark. I love the OC. Uh, my name is Maya, and I love the OC. My name is Curbs, and I love the OC. My name is Dan, and I love the OC. And we hope you love the OC, too. You gotta love this episode, at least. Yeah, at least. It's fucking TJ. I Yeah.